There are a lot of people who work to make Welcome to Night Vale possible. Beyond Jeffrey, Cecil, and I, there are guest writers who we endeavor to pay at above market rates. Guest voices, uh, Disparition, who composes all of the music and does the sound design and editing. We have the artists who design our merch and the, the company that manages and ships the merch. We have Jessica Hayworth, who makes original art for every single episode. We have Joella, who manages all the business side of things, and Meg, who runs the touring side of things, and all the people who do the behind-the-scenes stuff on tours. For every person you see working on Night Vale, there's like three to five more you don't see. And and how we keep all those people paid and paying their bills is our Patreon. Without our Patreon, and I, I mean this, there is no show. We have all sorts of fun bonuses for patrons, like Patreon-only episodes, director's notes on every episode, Zoom hangouts with the Night Vale crew, and, and a lot of other stuff, but at its heart, you are helping keep this show alive. Please consider doing that if you are financially able. Welcome to nightvale.com. Click on Patreon. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. One man's search for justice about one family's search for justice about one dragon's search for justice for one man. That's right. It's the final episode of Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws. This is the verdict. Frank Chen was here, now he's gone And I have to wonder what's going on Bloody laws, bloody claws Someday we will solve the murder of Frank Chen Welcome back to another episode of Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws The Murder of Frank Chen I am, as always, your host, Cecil Palmer This is our... Wow 722nd episode? Uh, can you believe we've only been doing this since December? And this is likely to be our final episode as today, Judge Chaplin is scheduled to issue her long-awaited verdict. We're going to bring this verdict to you live, but of course this is a podcast, not a community radio, so you will later download that live recording, by which point I will not be live. Um, I'm not 100% up on this all this tech stuff? Um, but wow, is the money better in true crime podcasting than community radio? I mean, who knew, right? Yeah, I was surprised. If this is your first time joining us on Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws, welcome, welcome. For the best experience, you really should start at episode one and listen to all 721 previous episodes in order. But I'm sure the Chen friends, as my fans call themselves, will welcome you in and let you know what's been going on. Join them on the Discord and the Twitch chat and the subreddit and the Patreon. I have no idea what any of those things are, but I've been told firmly by my producer that you cannot make anything now without having all of those things. In the meantime, let's get to a quick recap of the case. So this story, as you Chen friends know, goes all the way back, if you can believe it, to 2012. Put yourself 
in that moment in time. Annette Benning is president, and don't I wish that was still the case. Yo-yos are big again. No one would be caught dead in jorts, not like today in which due to new city ordinances, you can be dead if caught without them. And a five-headed dragon named Hiram McDaniels is pulled over while driving a pickup truck that belongs to a human man named Frank Chen. When asked for ID, Hiram hands over Frank's driver's license and explains that he is normal human Frank Chen. The police have no reason to doubt Hiram, and so they let him go. But later that day, the real Frank Chen's body is found, covered in burns and large claw marks. Just what happened to Frank Chen? Who killed him? And what does Hiram McDaniel's literal five-headed dragon have to do with all this? That's what we've been trying to find out in the metaphorical pages of this literal podcast. When criminal charges never came, and Hiram McDaniels fled town after the death of one of his five heads, the family of Frank Chen turned to the civil courts for justice. They filed suit against Hiram McDaniels, as well as the city of Nightvale and the sheriff's secret police for negligence in the investigation. The suit has gone on for almost a year now, and it has taken a heavy toll on this town, making us dwell on an ugly and murderous chapter in our history. On the other hand, it turns out a true crime podcast about an active case is basically printing money, so it's not all bad. Which reminds me, we need to get to our first sponsor. Our sponsor today is Fruit Box. It's a box of fruit. Comes in the mail, once a week. You don't get to choose the fruit. It might be eight apples and a kiwi, it might only be one banana. You do not get to choose the fruit. I mean, we don't even get to choose the fruit. We just close our eyes and throw it in there at random from a big fruit pile we keep in our office. And then we seal up that box without looking. If we miss the box with our eyes closed, which does sometimes happen, then the box will be empty. Sorry, that's just part of the deal. No refunds. But why shop in a store, or online, or at all? Subscribe today to Fruitbox using offer code Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws, The Murder of Frank Chen. That's all in caps, one word. Threes replace the E's, and you'll get 10% off your first box of fruit. Fruitbox. What's in the box? What's in the box? Relax, buddy. It's just fruit. Now, as usual at this point in our podcast, let's bring in our legal expert to talk us through the intricate matters of jurisprudence involved in a big case like this. So, I turn it over to our legal expert, the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. Thank you, Cecil. In order to properly consider this case, one must look at the full history of dragon law. The first recorded legal case involving dragons was in the year 706, in which a dragon ate most of a shepherd's flock, and the shepherd went to his local chieftain with a complaint. The chieftain ruled that it was absolutely aggravating what the dragon did, but at that point the dragon had flown off and there was nothing much anyone could do about it. The next case was in 1291, in which a dragon sued to get her cave back from a local lord who had begun to strip mine the cave for iron. The dragon explained that the clanging and banging was interrupting her sleep habits, and she wanted them out of there or else. The specifics of her, or else, was made imminently clear when she huffed a white-hot burst of flame from her nostrils. Unfortunately for her, courts at the time were judged by the local lords, and he ruled against her in the case of her versus him. Unfortunately for him, she made good on her, or else, and burnt him to a crisp. 
at which point the miners were all freed from their cruel labors and celebrated the death of the tyrant. So that one worked out pretty well. The last case I want to point to is from 1971, in which it was ruled that incorporeal, ghostly, or otherwise inhuman beings are allowed to live in homes, secretly or otherwise, no matter the wishes of those they are haunting. This doesn't have anything to do with dragons, but it's a case that's very important to me, for reasons I will whisper in your ear tonight as you toss and turn, wishing with all your heart for sleep that will never come. Thanks, faceless old woman. Fascinating. Oh, say, where did you study law? I've never studied law, but I've spent centuries on the wrong side of it. That teaches you everything you need to know. Makes total sense, and I have no further questions. Let's move on. Coming from Community Radio, I wasn't aware of the larger world of podcasts. Did you know that 90% of podcasts are now multimedia empires? It's true, or at least according to my new agent. I've never met her, but she promises that I'll be rich beyond my wildest dreams. I merely had to supply my bank information to her and she would make sure that money would just come raining in, which hasn't yet. If anything, my my account seems a little smaller, but she just explained that this is just a glitch and that the big bucks are coming. She just kept shouting, the big bucks are coming, over and over until I had to hang up. In any case, she said she's gotten me a book deal. A book deal! My book in progress is called Hiram, Portrait of a Five-Headed Murderer. Also, I'm developing a TV show that is going to be on Fritz, the new streaming channel only available in smart refrigerators. And we're planning a 60-city speaking tour in which I will be reenacting what I think happened to Frank Chen using puppets and the voice acting classes at the community center that Carlos got me for my birthday. So, many exciting new steps in my new career. I wonder what my agent's name is. I never did ask. Eh probably not that important. Now it's time, before we reach the verdict, to exhaustively go through the evidence one by one. Pick through that, discuss what we think it means, maybe bring on a few more experts to chat about each item. This could take a while. So first up. Hey, sweetie, are, are you recording your show again? Oh, uh, yes, you're on it right now. They're, they're, they're listening. But you can edit this out, right? Because, like, podcasts aren't live? I don't know what edit means. Okay, well, I, I just wanted to let you know that I made lunch, and it's pasta salad just the way you like it. Dry and crunchy. Oh, that's so sweet, Carlos, but I, I can't leave right now. Uh, the verdict is about to happen. Oh, no, I get it. That's, that's why I brought it to you. Oh, thanks, my little tortoise. <laughs> well, enjoy. And say hi to your Frank bunch. Uh, Chen friends. Oh, sure. Say hi to them. And you should definitely edit this bit out, and I, I can show you how later. Ooh, I can't imagine what that entails. Bye, sweetie. Bye. Okay, it's time for our second sponsor. Gotta pay the bills. No such thing as a free lunch. Unless your sweet husband brings you pasta salad at the courthouse while you're recording your podcast. In that case, lunch is free. Today's sponsor is Me Undies. Think about the first person in history who intentionally made a fire. It's possible that this was far enough back that it wasn't technically a person, as in a Homo sapien it could have been a Neanderthal. 
Flame sprang from their actions, an idea made hot and tangible. Where before they had to wait for fire to start by an accident of nature, and then to save those coals for their use, now fire was theirs to be had whenever they needed. I bet cooked food has never tasted so good. Not before, nor since. Think of them, lying in the grass, watching over their little fire like it was a child, because, like a child, if it was not watched over and tended correctly, it could grow to be big and dangerous. Think of the pure joy of starting a fire. Me undies. It's underwear. You know? Oh! Oh! It looks like the big moment is here. Judge Chaplin has arrived and is setting up for her verdict reveal. She's seeding the room with some hidden aces and flowers so that she can make them appear later, and I think there might be wires leading to the ceiling for some kind of levitation portion of the show. While she does that, let's go, as we always do at this point in an episode of Bloody Laws, to an unrelated song.
partway into Judge Chaplin's verdict. We've made it through the floor show, and she is just finishing up sawing the bailiff in half, so we should get to the legal meat of it soon. Oh, okay, okay. I did not expect doves to fly out of the bailiff like that. Very impressive. Maybe the most impressive verdict I've seen since Judge Houdini sentenced 15 petty thieves in consecutive trials to community service, all the while escaping from a padlocked mail sack dropped at the bottom of the Voltava River. But now, we've reached the decisive moment. Judge Chaplin is indicating that whoever has the King of Hearts in their breast pocket is the winning side, and both legal teams are patting themselves down, and it's... The family of Frank Chen. The judge has found in favor of the plaintiff. The court is chattering, and one guy with a podcast is loudly narrating everything as it happens, so the judge is banging her gavel for order. <clears throat> she finds that the city of Nightvale, the sheriff's secret police, Hiram McDaniels, and an omniscient concept of God are all responsible in their own way for the death of Frank Chen and the subsequent lack of justice for his murderer. Hiram McDaniels fled town years ago, and no one has any idea where he is. God hasn't been seen around here since at least the 70s, so it looks like the brunt of the responsibility is going to come down on the city and the police. It has come time to award damages. Judge Chaplin explains that she believes in a simple kind of justice, that the best way to make things whole is to rectify the situation directly. And so the family of Frank Chen is owed... Frank Chen's life. They are owed one living Frank Chen until the date of his natural death, whenever that was supposed to be. If they fail to produce this within one calendar year, all of their assets, including the town of Nightvale, will be turned over to the family of Frank Chen. Listeners, this is unprecedented. I am unclear how a city is supposed to bring a man who has been dead for eight years back to life, and it seems the city does not know either. But honestly, it's a fair verdict. The city of Nightvale's lawyers are looking at each other with their hands in their air, shaking their heads and mouthing things like, but that's impossible, and I really didn't expect this trial to turn out this way. Oh, wow, this is really exciting. It will take me at least another year of this podcast to properly analyze the verdict and its implications, and of course to follow the city and sheriff's secret police as they attempt to delve into the ultimate mystery of life and death in order to fulfill the court's judgment. Thank God. I was really wondering what I was going to do if I lost this podcast income. I had gotten used to the lavish podcast lifestyle and wasn't ready to turn to the simple hermitage of community radio just yet. Well, this wraps it up for the not-final episode of Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws. All of you Chen friends, join me for my usual four-hour behind-the-scenes commentary episode on our Patreon, in which I analyze my analysis in this episode. And as I always say at the end of this podcast, that about does it for me, Night Vale. That about does it for me.
Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws is a production of Night Vale Presents. It is written by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner and produced by Disparition. The voice of Bloody Laws, Bloody Claws is Cecil Baldwin. The voice of the faceless old woman was Mara Wilson. The voice of Carlos was Dylan Marin. Original music by Disparition. All of it can be found at disparition.bandcamp.com. This episode's unrelated song was The Ghost Who Wasn't There by A Sunday Fire. Find out more at asundayfire.bandcamp.com. Comments, questions, email us at info at welcometonightvale.com or follow us on Twitter at Nightvale Radio or keep being spooky. There's no reason that October has to be the only spooky month. Check out welcometonightvale.com for holiday gifts you can buy for the people in your life. Today's proverb. If a tiny creature asked me to guess its name in exchange for the return of my child, I would simply immediately and correctly guess Rumpelstiltskin. From the creators of Welcome to Night Vale, Alice Isn't Dead, and within The Wires comes a new Audible original, Unlicensed. In the outskirts of Los Angeles, where the cul-de-sacs and strip malls sprawl into the desert, two unlicensed private investigators scrape by on whatever small cases come their way. But when a teenage girl pleads for them to take the strangest case of their career, this unlikely pair, with no resources and no backup, will follow a trail of seemingly unconnected cases, which will lead them to a ransom a murder, a mysterious wellness center, and a conspiracy that might go all the way to the governor. It's important to catch small fires early. They don't stay small for long. Unlicensed. Available now at audible.com slash unlicensed.